I'm going to read a few scriptures from the book of Timothy. Uh, Tim asked me to speak on the end times, but I'm going to speak more on just preparation for the coming of the Lord. And I'm going to read uh, just the two verses uh, from the, a few verses from the book of Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4. A couple of weeks ago at the church where I preach in Norwood, I just read Timothy. Instead of preaching, I just took a number of passages of scripture from the book of Timothy and I just read them with zeal, with passion, and the people were tremendously blessed. Sometimes we need to just hear the pure word of God, amen? amen. And that, that's biblical because in the early church, they used to read the scriptures and uh, we are actually encouraged to read the scriptures. Anyway, I'm gonna read from 2 Timothy 3, verse one to four. Paul, uh, who's the apostle, wrote most of the books in the New Testament, was a murderer, and he was a hater of the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus was called the people of the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so the early church was called the people of the way. Paul was a religious man, very religious. Yet he hated the followers of Jesus Christ and he hounded them into prison and he saw that many of them were murdered. So he was a murderer. But one day on the road to Damascus, he meets with Jesus and he falls to the ground and Jesus speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus. Now he never persecuted Jesus in Jesus' physical body. He persecuted the people of God, the people of the way, because the people that belong to Christ are the body of Christ. And so when you persecute the body of Christ, the people of Christ, you're actually persecuting Jesus. And so he was blinded and and he had a tremendous meeting with the Lord and his life was changed and transformed. And that is still a great truth today. No matter what you've done and no matter where you come from, if you have an encounter with the Son of God, something glorious and miraculous can happen to you in a few seconds. He is still changing lives. He is still performing miracles. He's a miracle worker. And so Paul's life was changed and and, and God calls him to be an apostle. But I want you to notice Many preachers, when they speak about Paul, they will say the Apostle Paul. And what they're doing, they're giving him a title. But in in scriptures, there are no titles. He's called Paul the Apostle. And when he speaks about himself, he never calls himself the Apostle Paul. He always says Paul the Apostle. Because being an apostle was his function. It wasn't a title. Today we give people titles and they're not even functioning. And so it means nothing. We call a man a pastor and he hasn't even got a church. Or he doesn't function in a church. And so uh, Paul uh, was tremendously used by God. Mighty miracles were wrought by the hands of Paul the apostle. And so when you read about this man, you see how he suffered for the name of Jesus. And the tremendous encouragement he gives to us. And here, 
He, he knows he's going to die. He's going to be with the Lord. And so in, his, in the final days of his life, he is writing to his son in the Lord, someone he had an impact upon, the young man that's now going to continue with the ministry, uh, Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy. He's telling Timothy about the things that are going to take place and that are already taking place. And here he says, but know this, he could say, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He's speaking about today and that day in which Timothy lived. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, he says to Timothy, but in all of this, all these things that you're going to see take place, he says, you be sober. Timothy, be watchful. Be clear-headed in all things and endure hardship as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, the word that enters in and brings light. We thank you that you said heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word shall endure forever. We pray this morning that your word will fall on good soil, soil that has already been prepared so that it will bring forth good fruit to your honor and to your glory. Amen. I want to just give you three encouragements before I uh, continue with this message. And that is this. Many people today are speaking about the end of the world. Whenever there seems to be wars and rumors of wars, people get frightened and they speak about that the end of the world is near. Uh, we even heard someone in Congress just a little while ago saying, saying that if people are not serious about climate change, the world is going to end in 12 years. So there are even those who are putting down a time for the end of the world. That's the one group. And then we've got another group who want to change everything and are looking forward to a new world order. And they are rejecting the past. They are rejecting all the wonderful and the good things and forgetting about all the people that suffered in the past so that we may have a good life. Now, let me say to you this morning, all those people that will be involved in a new world order, which they think will be perfect, will be just as bad as this one. It will not be perfect because the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's out of the heart of man that proceed evil thoughts, fornication, murders, lies, and adultery. The world only changes when people's hearts are changed by the power of God. And so, 
The end of the world is not going to happen anytime soon because God has a plan and his plan is the plan of redemption. Redemption means redeeming or restoring every single thing that has been lost because of sin. Man lost his soul. He lost his relationship with God because of sin. Man lost control of the earth because of sin. God gave Adam and Eve power over all those things. He named all the animals. But because he sinned against God, he lost the power of those things. And the earth is in the cave. Now everything is going to be restored. Jesus has already paid the price for our eternal life. We will live forever as Adam should have. We will uh, be, be given, forgiven our sin. And the earth is going to be renovated by the Lord himself. The Lord is in control. And so the earth will not end. The world will not end until God's plan of redemption is completed. And the Bible already speaks about the end times. It speaks about seven years of tribulation. It speaks about a thousand years of peace, the millennium, when Jesus himself will be ruling in Jerusalem with a rod of iron. So that already gives you a thousand and seven years that there will be no end of the world. He will end the world himself when, when the right time comes. And he is the one who will bring in a new heaven and a new earth. God is in control. God is in charge. And no matter what anybody says and no matter what any nation does, God's plan will be fulfilled. So don't be frightened concerning the end of the world. The second thing is that when we look at the signs around us, I've got a couple of years behind me. I won't tell you how many. <laughs> but I've seen wickedness because I've been, I was wicked myself. I was involved in terrible stuff. But never has there been a time like this. It seems that hell has broken, broken loose. People are against everything that is good and decent and honorable. People will stand up for that which is wrong People will celebrate in the death of other people. There's no respect for human life. We are living in a time of absolute evil. And I understand it because the devil knows his time is short. He knows that Jesus is coming back. He knows that he is in big trouble. And because his time is short, he's opening the gates of hell and he's pouring out all his filth to see how many people he can bring into bondage before the Son of God is revealed. He's loose. But I want you to know, he's not in control. People will say, oh, the devil's in control. No, he's not. God is in control. You see, it's God's world. He spoke it into existence. He keeps it together by the power of his word. He's the almighty. He's everlasting. He's eternal. He's the great I am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has the first say and he has the last say. 
And when you read the book of Genesis, when he spoke the world into existence, it says this. It says, and he made the stars also. He hung the stars in space also. It would seem when you read that, that it was an afterthought after this great God made this great universe that he hung the stars in space as an afterthought. Man has never discovered the galaxies fully. They've tried to, but they'll never will because it's so magnificent. It is so deep and it's all created by him and he's in control and there's coming a day when he will draw the final curtain. We need not be concerned thinking the devil's in control. The third thing I want to mention to you and help you encourage you is don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. The world is polluted with false prophets. People who are not speaking the word of the Lord, but they're speaking according to their own imaginations. You go on a YouTube, this person has been to heaven, that one has been to hell and to heaven, the next one is going to heaven. All these stories, he said it's going to happen in the last days. There will be many false prophets and they will be telling lies to men and women. False prophets that are talking fear into the hearts of people. And it's amazing how many born-again believers are fearful for the end times, are fearful for the things that are happening around us. We forget that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The Bible says perfect love costeth out all fear. God's love towards us is perfect, and His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need not fear. Fear torments. It's a terrible thing to be gripped with fear. Fear nullifies your fear, causes you to be absolutely useless in everything. Don't let fear take a hold of you. Rejoice. Put your faith and trust in the living God. Fear is the opposite of faith. Jesus said, fear not, but he said, have faith in God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says those that are in Christ, the just, they shall live by faith. They shall walk by faith. So our faith is not in the circumstances. Our faith is not in what we see, but our faith is in He who is the great I am. He who rose again from the dead, who conquered death and the grave, who defeated Satan and is alive forevermore. And His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Tim's title is Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. The coming of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Now there are some people that believe in dispensations. Uh, those are certain periods of time when God works in a particular way with his people. Uh, some believe there's 12 dispensations, some believe there's many more. Uh, I believe there's seven and I, uh, I like the number seven because that's a, a number of perfection. So I'll just mention the dispensations to you quickly and tell you where we are right now. There's the dispensation of innocence. Adam and Eve were absolutely innocent because there was no sin. And then there was the dispensation of conscience. They were guided and directed by their conscience. There's the dispensation of human government. And then the dispensation of promise. 
and the dispensation of law, the period uh, just before this when people lived under the law and were directed and controlled by the law. But now we are living in the dispensation of grace. This is the dispensation, the period of time that God is working with people is the period of grace. Grace means unmerited favor. We're living in the best time of all because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can call upon that name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, and a miracle can take place in your life. There are many people sitting here in this building this morning that along the way somewhere they were messed up. They were drunkards and drug addicts. They were thieves and liars. They were self-righteous. They were people who thought they were better than anybody else. But deep down in their hearts, they were lost and confused and they called upon that name and their lives have been changed miraculously. It is the greatest miracle uh, that this world will ever see is the changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the changing power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're living in a time of grace, but time is running out because the next millennium will be the millennial kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The millennium reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, that will be the last one. So we are in the second last one, the, the millennium of grace. So this is the opportunity for us as God's people to get ourselves in a good place with the Lord so that we can experience his anointing upon our lives and that we can proclaim the gospel because everywhere you go, God himself is preparing the hearts of men and women to receive the gospel. All that is necessary is for those people to be, for God's people to be faithful, not to be afraid, not to be embarrassed, but wherever they go to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will prepare the people. Don't be, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. Go ahead and share the gospel. So this is the period of grace. But the Bible tells us Jesus is coming back again. Someone said to me this morning, I said, I know that you are dogmatic about the secret rapture. I'm not and before the tribulation. I'm not dogmatic because there's lots of things we don't really understand. But I, I can't, uh, I've got to share one way. And so I believe that the Lord Jesus is coming at any time. And as, as I believe that, that tells me that we need to be prepared. I need to be prepared. The Bible says that there's going to be a shout, a voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God is going to sound. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself is going to come and those that have died, all the bodies of all the believers of all time are going to be resurrected and spirit and bodies uh, are going to come together and those that are alive are going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye and together we're going to be caught up with the air, in the air with the Lord and so we will be with the Lord. Where are those believers going? They are going to the judgment seat of Christ where we are going to be judged by Jesus for what we've done down here in these bodies. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It's a judgment of rewards and while we're there the world is going to be in control of the Antichrist, seven years of tribulation. And in those seven years, he makes a pact with the Jewish people to give them peace. But near the end of the seventh tribulation, he turns against them. 
And he brings tremendous suffering and persecution and death to the Jewish people. Now, that is actually God lifting his hand and allowing the Jewish people to be judged because God is going to judge every single person and every single group. Christians are going to be judged. Angels are going to be judged. Satan is going to be judged. Those who have rejected the gospel are going to be judged. The nations of the world are going to be judged. The Jewish nation is going to be judged. And everyone will be judged. And then comes a great plan of God for the Jewish people. So the church will be out of the way when that happens. That is what people call the secret or the secret rapture. You'll just disappear. Now, there are different views concerning the timing of that, and we're not concerned about that this morning. What is important of what I just said is the fact that Jesus is coming back. We're looking for the Jesus that went to heaven. After his resurrection, he ascended up in heaven in a cloud, and the disciples were standing. They were shocked. Where's he going? What's happening now? We've been with him. He's ministering. What's going on? And they were Two men in white apparel, they were angels. And they said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus you see go into heaven is coming back again. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. And I've told you before that Jesus took something to heaven that's never been there before. Something that is man-made. One man-made thing in heaven, and that's the scars in his hands and his feet. They are in heaven. Where do I know it? It says that when he comes again, he comes to the Jewish people. They will say to him, where did you get those scars in your hands and your feet? And he will say that to them, I received it in the house of my friends. So we'll know Jesus. Isn't it amazing when you listen to these people, they write books and they tell you they went to heaven and they saw Jesus and he wore a beautiful white gown and he had long blonde hair and they speak nothing about his scars. You know why? They never went to heaven. It's their imaginations. And there are more and more of them doing it. You know why they're doing it? Because they're making money. Money. And so we need to be careful as God's people uh, at, at this time listening to all the false prophets and the false prophecies and the predictions that are made by people who, who are not inspired by God at all. Amen? And so Jesus is coming back, but the, what's important? Uh, what, is, what is it help you and I if we know the whole story about redemption? If we know the whole story about what's going to happen in the end times, the, who the Antichrist is and the false prophet and the time of tribulation and the millennium kingdom and we are all that stuff. We, we're always just talking about it and we're informing other people, but we ourselves are not right with God. What will it help? You see, when we prepare ourselves for coming of the Lord Jesus, it's not, a, it's not a preparation of knowledge. It's not a preparation of just having to understand, but it's preparing our lives so we are ready, ready for his return. He can come at any time. Anytime Jesus can come. And that's why it's so important for the church today. The time is short. We need to get inspired. We need to get anointed by the Holy Spirit that we can spread the good news that must spread like a wildfire Amen. everywhere. Amen. So I want to mention seven quick things to you this morning, how you can prepare yourself. The very first thing is this. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. Folk, we must love God. 
We must love Jesus with all of our hearts. Let's face it, when we get saved, when I got saved, I, I came from a drunken, drunken background, a terrible background, and Jesus changed my life, and I loved him. I was so pleased that my life could be changed like that. My friends couldn't believe it. And so, and so there was a deep love for Jesus. But you know, as time goes on, there are other things that creep in, and your love begins to be misdirected. And, and that's why when you go to the book of Revelation and God speaks to the last churches of the end time and he's speaking to the churches and one of the ch churches he says, I've got something against you. What have you got against them? They've left their first love. There are many, many, many people, some are even sitting in church. They've left their first love. They're not really in love with Jesus. They're more concerned about other stuff. They have fallen in love with other stuff. They have fallen in love with things that are going to pass away that are not worth being in love with. We need to love the Lord. And, 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 and not only that, Jesus said, there is a great commandment and that is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your spirit. And he says the second one is just as great as the first one and that is that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Folk, listen to me. If we love God with all of our hearts and we allow that, that, that's, that scripture to take hold of our hearts and we love one another, we will not be doing the terrible things we do to one another. You will respect one another. We will love one another. We will care for one another. That's why he says, love your brother as you love yourself. That is the great commandment. Now, if we lead someone to Jesus and, and, and you're driving someone, you lead someone to Jesus, what's the best last advice you can give them? You will say, maybe, listen, find yourself a good church. That is very good. Or you might say, read the book of John. Start there. Start somewhere. Or you might say to them, pray. that All that is good. But I think it's better to say to them, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. Because if you love God, you will fulfill all those other things. And so this is the time for the church once again. Jesus must have the preeminence. We must not just make it a song. It must be a reality in our lives. When we come together, we come together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And there's no big boy, there's no big person, there's no superhero among us. He's the hero. He's the one that deserves the worship. He's the one who deserves the praise. And so we must focus on him, fall in love with him, talk to him, read about him, speak to him as much as you possibly can, especially in this day. The second thing quickly, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, the devil makes many promises to us. He promises us fame. He promises power. He promises us glory. He promises us wealth. And very soon people take their eyes off Jesus and they begin to follow these different things. And just to find at the end, there is nothing really. Seek first the kingdom of God. I've had people say to me, listen, I've prayed and I know that God is going to bless what I'm going to do and I'm going out there, I'm going to start the business and once I'm very successful and this business is happening, I'm going to get involved in the kingdom of God and I'm going to give a lot of money to the kingdom of God. You never see them again. First the kingdom. Now listen, the kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of the world. You see, all the kingdoms of the world are going to come to naught. No matter how powerful and how rich they may look today, they are going to come to naught. There's only one eternal, one everlasting kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God. 
And we are kingdom people because the kingdom was, the kingdom is, and the kingdom will be. The kingdom was when Jesus was here, the kingdom is now in us, and the kingdom will be here when Jesus reigns visibly in Jerusalem. So the, we are in the king, the king is in us, we are kingdom people. And what we must understand about being kingdom people, there are different principles to the kingdom of God than the principles of the kingdoms of this world. For example, if you want to go places in this world, you have to fight and crawl your way, hurt people along the way, and do everything to build yourself up to become somebody or something. But in the kingdom of God, we humble ourselves. You've got to go down in order to go up. You've got to give in order to receive. The kingdom is different. And we're kingdom people in this time that we apply kingdom principles to our lives. Stop bowing to the kingdoms of this world. Stop bowing to the spirit of this age. Stop bowing to what the devil's enticing you with and say, listen, I've been born into the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God and it is his principles and it is his word that applies in my, to my life. Amen. And there's only one entrance into the kingdom, by the way. It's not through church affiliation. It's not what the priest or the pastor said to you. It's not through your family. It's not through your good works. You must be born again. We don't hear those words much anymore, do we? But Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a religious man. He, he was a very, very religious man. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. You don't have a clue about the kingdom of God. And then he said again, Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So listen to me this morning, my friend. You need to be in the boat, and the boat is Jesus. You need to be in that ship safe against all the storms of life and whatever the devil will bring against you. And the entrance is through the new birth. You must be born again. Thirdly, we must pray without ceasing. I love prayer meetings and churches have prayer meetings, groups have prayer meetings and it's excellent and it's very good. The church needs it, desperately needs it. Prayer should be as much as important as the preaching and the singing in the church. Amen? But here he says, pray without ceasing. It means I don't have to just pray a, a half an hour or go to a particular meeting, pray meeting once a week and, and pray there and think I've done my duty. No, pray without ceasing. What is prayer? Prayer is not uh, 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 preaching to God. Prayer is not uh, coming with deep stuff. Prayer is talking to God, talking to our heavenly father. We have access into his presence every moment of the day. So as I drive my car, as I go to my workplace, as I'm involved in other things, I'm always speaking to God. And that is praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. When you drive your car, speak to God. Ask Him to help you. Uh, stand strong in the things you have to face. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for your workplace. There is so much that you can talk to God about that you won't even be able to have enough time. Amen. Pray without ceasing, especially as this day you receive that the Lord Jesus is coming. Number four, pursue holiness. Holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no man shall see God. Now we know there, there were the holiness people of the past and what they did. Uh, that there was just plain legalism bringing people into bondages because of the, the clothes they wear and all that kind of stuff. And they call that as holiness. But that's not holiness. Holiness is separation. 
We separate ourselves from the spirit of the world. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let this world dominate you. Don't let this world control you. Don't do everything in your power to be like this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God transforms us and renews our mind. And so as we live separate lives, sometimes I think, sometimes I see in churches, it looks like the church is doing its very best to be like the world. Why do we copy everything they do? They should be copying what we do. We've got it back to front. The world is not your friend. I never said that. Jesus said it. He said, they hated me, they'll hate you. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. The world is at enmity with God. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. We've got to come aside the church. Church, we, 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 we must be very distinct. People must know just by our presence that there's something different about us. We, we can't talk their talk and do what they do and drink like they do. There's too much drinking in the church. Too many pastors and too many leaders are drinking. So every time you see them, they've got a glass of something in their hand. That's not a good testimony. That's not a good example to the people of God. And you can get as mad as you want to. There are some people that just one drink ruins their lives. One drink destroys their family. And then the man of God stands with a drink in his hand. Stop it. Separate yourself from the world. You know, I didn't leave my friends, they left me. Why? Because I was different. It's not the same old Tommy, the one who can swear and curse and fight and drink and all that rubbish. Different. And we ought to be different. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Amen. Make a difference where you are. Hallelujah. Number five, quickly, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Where's my treasure? That's where our hearts are. That's what the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Sow in the kingdom. Give the, give the kingdom the very best of you. Function, do whatever you can. Give financially, give the gift, whatever you have. Get involved in the kingdom, especially in this day. So we can reach people with the gospel. And our kingdom, our, our treasure should be in heaven. We're safe, where neither moths nor rust nor thieves can get to. That's what Jesus said. All the other stuff is going to disappear. You know, I lived, I lived in a little town called Krugersdorp. I was born there. And uh, I, I, I got saved and I used to go to the Assembly of God Church. That's where I met my wife. My her father was the pastor. And I used to go past the shop. And I always used to notice the shop had, had brown paper around, around the, the glass, covered, you know. And I thought, why, why, why is that shop like that? Because just next to it was a, 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 an art store and I sold some of my paintings there. And I was wondering why that shop was there. But no, later on they found out and, and, and it was some guys that rented the shop, dug a hole under the shop and under the other shops into the bank and wiped the bank out. And the guy was called Mr. Nightingale. They've never caught Mr. Nightingale. Amen. So all those people's treasures in those little vaults, it's gone. Gone. Put your treasure in heaven. Mr. Nightingale can't get there. Amen. God bless you. Quickly, stay tight with his church. Folk, we must love the church. 
We must respect the church. Respect one another, respect the leadership, and, re- and, and, and respect the church. Now, I know, and I can say it, there are many terrible churches. Why? Because they're not telling the truth. There are false prophets, and there are false pastors, and there are false teachers, and we must speak out against it. I'm not covering their back, and they're not covering my back. I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because those people lead people to hell. Why, why is it that nobody speaks out when all this immorality, ongoing morality, among guys who are pastoring large churches with thousands of people just about worshiping them, and then all of a sudden there's a major scandal. But Paul says, I keep in control my body lest I myself become a castaway. Pastors must take responsibility because our behavior affects the people of God. Amen. So there is a lot of that nonsense and I speak out against it. And if they repent, God forgives them. I know that. But I saw something on YouTube just the other night. I was going through it and it said the the 10 most evil pastors in my old country. Why Why would they put that on TV? Because those 10 pastors are evil. The one place that the, they, they, they're doing un- unbelievable stuff. It's unbelievable what's going on, not only in the world, but in the church, because that spirit has been allowed to come into the church and it's brought the same garbage into the church. That's why we need shepherds and pastors and elders and men with authority and with power and understand the times and can resist the devil so that he can flee from us. Tremendous deception. Jesus said it's going to happen. Amen? Love your church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus intercedes for the church. And Jesus is coming back for the church. Amen? Love the church. Last week I was down in... uh, Apollo Beach, I was there two weeks, Pastor Tim preached. What a, what a tremendous message. God has really blessed him and gifted him. And, and while we were singing, there was, you know, I feel as every, every, just about every Sunday, I, I felt it yet this morning, and I just felt the wonderful presence of God Amen. in the worship, in the singing. Uh, it is awesome. You, there's no place that you can go that you're going to experience that. The only time you're going to experience the real presence of God is when his people come together. He says, I'm there. And it was such a wonderful thing. And I felt, I, I was thinking in my head, it's about time I retire and get out of it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm becoming an old man. And, and then suddenly I thought, oh, how can I? I said to Tim, how can I give this up? Nobody's going to fire me and I ain't going to retire. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord, there's nothing to compare to it. Folk, let me tell you something. Jesus loves us so much that he was here this morning. He's with us. Hallelujah. Love his church. Pray for his church. My wife has been in church all her life. The father was a pastor. I've been involved in the church for 50 years, and I know the church inside out. I know all the scams. I know all the schemas. I know all the things that happen in the church. Let me tell you that. I wasn't born yesterday. I was born a long time ago. <laughs> but um, in spite of all of that, and, and I say to someone, they come and they said to me one day, what is wrong with this church? There's all this nonsense going on. I said, listen, you don't understand. Let me explain to you. The church has wide open doors. 
And anybody from the street can walk in and become part of that place. And you can't let someone come in and they do stuff and then you say, the church is like that. That's nonsense. It's that individual. Amen. We're not a a club. We don't only allow certain people to become members. This is the mystery of the church. Forgive me for speaking so long this morning. But listen, this is the church. We got people here that are educated. Man, degrees are coming out of their ears. And you got other people that got no education. Like me. And yet there's a relationship. There's, I mean, I speak to my son-in-law. He's got stuff coming out all over. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know whether he's speaking in French or something, whatever. But there's a relationship. There's a contact between us. Why? Because we serve the same Lord. We experience the same glory. We receive the same promises. Hallelujah. Quickly, I'm closing. Number seven, desire the return of the Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, when you see these things begin to happen, he's saying, don't get discouraged. Don't be defeated. Don't run away. Don't pack up. When you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Hallelujah. We're looking up for the Lord Jesus. He's prepared a place for all those that love Him. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there may ye be also. Listen, folk, we are pilgrims. We're heading through. We're heading for a city that has foundations and whose builder, is maker, is almighty God. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus keeps the best wine for last. Hallelujah. Good wine, non-alcohol wine. Hallelujah. Amen.